This is Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today from my tiny apartment in San Francisco, and I'm joined by Becky Brewer. Hello. Hi, Becky. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on the show. For any first-time listeners out there, our purpose is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I invite them into my home, cook a meal, and then we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. Today we're enjoying mango, black bean, and kale salad. Our guest is an events marketing manager who's worked for large companies and on the agency side of events management. So Becky, can you start by telling us a little about what you're doing currently and your career history up until this point? Sure. So I currently am an event marketing manager at Mark Monitor, a tech company here in San Francisco. But I started my career on the agency side. And I think even going back further, I could say that as far as at least high school, Mm-hmm. I've always known I wanted to do events. So I was involved with the prom and the homecoming and everything in high school. And then <laughs> at the time, the closest thing like for a degree was public relations. So I emphasized in that at San Diego State. But within a year, they actually now have really great degrees in hospitality industries, mm-hmm. which allow for like hotel management, restaurant management, event management. So that would have been a better choice, but it didn't exist yet. So I did my PR emphasis there. And then I actually just took like the first opportunity for a real job out of college. My friend had been promoted at BB's corporate office and had an opportunity for me to interview for her job. Mm-hmm. And I got the job, but was always in hopes that the position for the event planner would open up. Good thing I didn't wait around long because 20 years later, she was still doing the same job. Wow. But after a few years there in merchandise planning, I sought out an event management position. And I just used my network and found a job at a DMC, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But in order to make that move, even though I was only a few years out of college, it still required like a 20% pay cut to take a step back to move forward into the career I really wanted, which was hard when you're already not making that much. I'm living in San Francisco right out of college. So I did that and the destination management company, so DMC, is a local event specialist and they do corporate events only. So no weddings and bar mitzvahs, no big social engagements, but you are doing oftentimes the more fun things there are to do on the corporate side. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's the incentive trips. So if you're in a you tier and win like a president's club or winner's circle and you get to bring a guest and go somewhere fabulous. If that trip was in my destination, then I would be helping to host it. So when I did it in New York, it was New York. And then in the Bay Area, we have sort of five destinations, San Francisco, the Monterey, Carmel, and Half Moon Bay areas, Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, and wine country. And you would do everything from the time they arrived to depart. And that's like transportation, tours and activities, welcome galas, award ceremonies, the design, lighting, rentals, production, catering, lighting, everything that went into each of the individual events. That sounds exhausting already. It (laughs) is. It is. And it's funny because everyone always thought my job sounded so glamorous. And I think Uh in general, event planning sounds kind of glamorous until you realize I'm in high heels running after a bus, sucking up fumes and like (laughs) trying to board a bunch of people. And you're working Uh with... uh, tour guides who have really unique personalities to try and run all the different tours and there's very little glamour involved in the events world in general but especially on the DMC side but I did love it and I worked for a newer DMC in San Francisco and I was lucky enough to work for a woman named Kat and 
uh, in that year, because they were smaller, I was her only go-to girl to help run the events. I got a ton of experience really quickly. Not only was I doing work of a more senior level person, but I also think I had maybe a total of five full days off the entire year. Wow. It was just, they were so busy and not ready to hire a new person. So after a year, I felt like I had really gotten a lot under my belt, and, but also was burnt out. So mm-hmm. I knew I had always wanted to live in New York City. And I interviewed for and flew myself out and did the whole work to get the job in New York City for Briggs. I worked there for all five years I lived in New York, and I loved that job. Working for Tony and Gary was amazing for a lot of reasons, but not only are they one of the best DMCs in the country, Briggs is, um, they have a great atmosphere and team environment. They make you feel appreciated even though you're working crazy hours and feel like a lunatic. But also they were where I got the most refinement. They have all the little details down, all the little touches you think of that some people don't think of when planning mm-hmm. events. And even down to just the process of working with clients for the sake of consistency, and templates and process and procedure and best practices. So a lot of my crazy <laughs> that goes into being super organized came from them. Mm-hmm. Crazy in a good way because it's really mm-hmm. helped me in my career. But after five years in New York, was a... Not burnt out on New York yet. I still loved it, so it was the right time to leave. I just missed the Bay Area. So uh, one of the owners of the previous company I'd worked for started his own company. I worked for him for a few years as his director of operations and managed an intern and who later became our um, full-time employee after she graduated. And that was interesting because I got this more soup to nuts because it was just us. So I also Mm -hmm. had the sales end of things and all the presentations that went with it. And then went to another DMC where I worked for about a year. But I would say during all three of the years I'd been back in San Francisco, I had been wanting to go in-house as a corporate event manager. Mm-hmm. And that's partially because the hours are more normal, the pay is better, but also it's just another career growth opportunity for me in slightly different elements of event planning that mm-hmm. I had experience in. But for like all three years, I kept coming in second place for every interview. It'd be like down to the final two. We really like you. We think you could do the job, but we have this other person with exact experience. We really need someone who could hit the ground running. So after three years, I sort of gave up that I would magically get the job. And I took, and again, a step back and it was Mm -hmm. a pretty significant pay cut and it was a contract role at Bloomberg, but it was worth it because at the end of that year, I had three job offers on the same day, one of which is Mark Monitor where I'm at now. And I love Mark Monitor, and I like mm-hmm. the job I've had for the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I worked with Tatiana there. That's she me. was our epic designer that we <laughs> missed dearly. <laughs> but in this environment and at Bloomberg, but at Bloomberg, like money's sort of infinite there. So it was never, and also the marketing team really was driving a lot. Here at Mark Monitor, I'm really responsible for strategy, driving the event, and we're doing more, so some trade shows and sponsorships and some client and prospect engagement while like suite events, but the bulk of my year is around planning our two big hosted conferences. And while they started maybe more as user conferences, they've expanded to also being big prospecting tools for us, mm-hmm. but I'm involved in driving the agenda and speakers, uh, planning the work back schedule for our design email and content schedules Mm -hmm. and then implementing all of those things planning the actual event all the resources that need to be there and then being on site to execute them and it doesn't sound like a lot um it totally (laughs) sounds like a lot (laughs) but it is and it's uh it's amazing because you're doing all the little events throughout the year but those Mm -hmm. two events those are opposite time of year 
you're almost always planning at least one of them, if not both, the next yeah. one. And there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of... Too many cooks in the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, but not yeah. always. They actually... One of the great things in Mark Monitor is that they really entrust me to be the expert. So they may have opinions and ideas, but they really do uh-huh. let me drive the... Yeah. So that's, nice. that's where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> well, so when was the moment that you felt that you broke into your industry or role? I would say that's securing the job at Briggs because okay. I hustled for a year and then I was able to leverage that experience to get a job that would help me build my career, but also in the city that I'd always dreamt of living in. Mm-hmm. And that felt very magical. Like I considered dropping out of college at one point to live in New York. I just loved wow. the idea of it so much. So that was a pretty epic turning point. And to know that my skills were transferable. I was so nervous that I would so oversold myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I got there and it really was. Same job, different city, right. you know, different process and procedure. But so, it was good to know that I got great experience from Kat mm-hmm. and Tina. Mm-hmm. Was Briggs also a DMC? Yes. Just for the New York so, area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, the ones in San Francisco and were like Bay Area based DMCs. Mm-hmm. And then New York, I only worked for one DMC the whole five years I was there. Mm-hmm. And that was Briggs. Yeah. I imagine there's a, a big learning curve to that too. Because not only do you have do you have to be able to plan events and activities and stuff and host people, but you have to know all the venues and like, how do you do that when you've never lived there before? Right. Which was a big selling point, which was why it was really hard to get a job in this field mm-hmm. in another city because you're yeah. supposed to be a local destination specialist. It's actually one of the, like when I put on the checkbox of reasons why working for a DMC is so great is it's a really great opportunity to get to know your city. So for me, I felt like in the five years I lived there, I saw more and did more than locals would ever have done. Like mm-hmm. I took advantage of every moment and I also, just because of my career, the learning curve was pretty steep, so I spent that first six months just getting out and going to all the restaurants and bars and doing all the activities and all the tourist attractions, mm-hmm. and it is a steep learning curve, but yeah. it's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. So you've mentioned a lot of people that you've worked with that you've enjoyed working with, but did did you have a mentor, and do you feel like you are now maybe a mentor to others? So I would say Kat was my first manager in the industry, and she would definitely be what I considered my mentor. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about events other than like, you know, school events really before working for her. And she was very good at what she does. So I learned a lot from her. Um, she also entrusted me with a lot of responsibility really quickly. So mm-hmm. she was never going to just drop and run. She was there to support me, but gave me a lot of responsibility, which was great because I learned quickly because of that. And then we, worked really well together so she later went to another company that I followed her to um she now has her own totally badass company that's killing it event right um and on the mentee side I probably don't currently have anyone that fits into that category but I called her my little genie but she was our intern that became our but it's ironic because she's like a foot taller than me and she, but she was my little genie and um, she was uh, my first person I really managed specifically mm-hmm. and I loved working with her she also was just really great to manage really proactive mm-hmm. person but she now works for Kat um, at their company so nice. it's uh, full circle <laughs> and inspiring (laughs) but what was your biggest career obstacle so far slash shittiest moment 
So there have been many. Um, <laughs> but most, I would say, helped push me along to being a better event manager. But the biggest, shittiest one mm-hmm. <laughs> was last year, like a year and a half ago, I was, on a, I was leading a conference call on like a WebEx at internal one. But I had what was probably my first panic attack. I actually looked back and there was one when I worked for 360 that when we were in a presentation and I just had no idea what was happening to me. I just couldn't function or put together a coherent sentence. Like my legs were wobbly. I didn't know what was going on, but it didn't happen again for years. So I just thought it was some weird fluke thing that happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a very embarrassing thing because it was very public. But uh, when it happened a year and a half ago, it stimulated panic about panic attacks Mm-hmm. So I got really lucky that my manager was on the call at the time and she just knows me well. So she just jumped in within a few minutes. I was able to join back into the call and be fine. But then every call after that I had, I was having panic attacks or at least the symptoms that were leading up to that, like, oh shit moment, I'm about to have mm-hmm. a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And it was like self-inducing because I was so worried I was going to have a panic attack. I was having one. And after the second real one happened where I actually couldn't put together a coherent sentence, mm-hmm. um, it was actually external with us. I was one with a salesperson and their client. And I was so embarrassed, but also realizing it's going to become really career debilitating for me if I can't get this under control. So I panicked even further, but differently. And I uh, hired a therapist. I dove straight into meditation. I downloaded the Headspace app and wa- listened to 10% Happier and went to a four-day silent meditation retreat. I was trying to do anything I could to try and solve for it. It's What's interesting about it, though, is I'd never met anyone who'd ever had a panic attack until I had one. And I'm just an oversharer. I tell everyone all my embarrassing stories. So out of telling people, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, yeah, that used to happen to me when I worked at this job or maybe non-work-related. It was happening in specific cases at home or... Um, when direct, like specific experiences, when I'm Bart, or they're having these panic attacks. I was like, where were all of you when I was mortified about the fact that I have these panic attacks and no one I knew had ever had one? Mm-hmm. Which makes, just reminds me how the stigma around mental health is so strong. Like, mm-hmm. no one wants to talk about it. And I feel like the more people talk about it, the more normalized it becomes. Yeah. But I did find a couple solutions that worked for me. One, meditation was great just in general, but I don't think it was a solve for my panic attacks. I did eventually, after trying a few different medications that I did not like, uh, a friend mentioned, oh, you call those panic attacks? Those were happening to me too. I didn't know they were called panic attacks, but I started taking beta blockers, which are ultimately propanolol, which is what I take as a blood pressure medication. So what it does is it my generic doctor actually first recommended it and never took it, like my general mm. person, but she said it was, a, it was just the only thing she was comfortable prescribing, but it was for stage fright. Mm-hmm. And it, what all it does is it keeps your heart rate from rising because it's like a, a domino effect when your heart rate starts going, then your hands get sweaty, and then your mind goes crazy. Mm-hmm. So all it does is sort of cut off the the domino effect of all sure. the uh, yeah. potential things that can happen afterwards. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I do still take that occasionally for really big presentations just because of fear it will happen again. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, in February, I got a dog, and I think he cured me of my panic and anxiety Uh that, um, I mean, not cured, cured is a strong word, but definitely 
all, I stopped meditating. I stopped going to therapy and almost all my anxiety and panic went away. So I do think just having something else to focus on. And anyway, that's the long version of explaining was probably my shittiest moment in my career because one of the few places in my life that I'm very confident is in my career. I've always been very good at event management. And then all of a sudden this thing came along Mm -hmm. that totally debilitated me. And it, it was so incredibly frustrating, but it's hopefully a story for the past. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think a lot of people can can relate to that story. I remember when, well, I remember when that happened because I was working with you. <laughs> I wasn't on that call, but I was there afterwards. Yeah. And yeah, I think it says a lot about the team at Mark Monitor too, mm-hmm. because when you brought that up to um, your boss mm-hmm. and your boss's boss, uh, or Two of you had like two bosses at the time, but both of them were very supportive, yeah. and I think everyone around you was really supportive. Like we had a silent signal system. Yes, <laughs> Tatiana would come and dance at my desk to distract me when I was about to have to get on a call because I was so panicked I was going to yeah. have an anxiety attack. Yeah. So. But to your point, I was really lucky. I mean, yeah. um, Chrissy Jamison was my manager and still sort of mm-hmm. one of my managers, mm-hmm. but one of the nicest things I heard during my anxiety around how is this going to affect my career was do what you need to do to take care of yourself because if mm. you are not well, nothing else matters. Yep. So, you know, if that meant I needed to take some time to go to a therapist or a meditation retreat or whatever it was to solve for it, do that. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I am yeah. very lucky that I worked somewhere at the time that yeah, was supportive I, of it. I also hope that that's kind of hopefully the norm everywhere like Mm -hmm. or it will become that way Mm -hmm. like you know that there is less and less stigma about mental health stuff because like you're saying when you bring it up it's like everyone has had some kind of experience so on the opposite end of the spectrum (laughs) what was your biggest opportunity slash best moment so far yeah (laughs) i mean moments are are sort of different. I mean, there was like the, the three job offers in one day that was definitely like mm-hmm. solidifying in the fact that the time I took, she took a step back and they saw that the combination of my DMC experience with the experience at Bloomberg and the corporate side, they saw the value in that. And that's what everyone commented on. So it made yeah. me feel like I had made all these right sacrifices and changes throughout my career to lead me to the right place. But I would say, like, if I picked an event, what kind of felt like a high, we did an IPO event for a large tech company in the Valley, but it was like their internal IPO event, their partners and internal people. And they wanted to transform this like super basic tennis warehouse and make it look like it was never a tennis warehouse and transform it into a fire and ice party. And, uh, that sounds hilarious. Yeah. Well, it had a lot of challenges cause it was a really okay. unique venue for just uh-huh. even like load in. They had to like back trucks up along a train track and then along this thing and build oh out. There was like no kitchen space or anything. So they had to build out things all over this, like forest off the backside of it next mm-hmm. to a train track. But it was probably one of the most epic events I did as far as beauty and novelty and the look on everyone's faces when they walked into the room, like, made you feel like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> like, this is cool. so good. Because we yeah. did um, white and red alternating through six spaces, like the two sides of the courts, three tennis courts. Mm-hmm. AstroTurf, red or white AstroTurf, and they were, like, completely done out into fire or ice. The lighting displays were phenomenal wow. that created the imagery and the feel of fire or ice. We had an entire lounge made of ice, like physical ice, so we'd throw blankets you could put it on it. And they were a really young company, so they had fireball shots going through an ice luge. That is so um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And then they actually hired directly, but they had these phenomenal um, like Cirque-like performers, aerialists and fire dancers and stuff. But they had... They were so professional looking and like their airbrushed paint jobs and the food tied in, you know, to the fire and ice theme and really every little element came together. And that's probably the perfect example of what an event manager does. It's really project management. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, I may not walk into the room and have like this brilliant creative concept, but I'm going to work with all the creative partners to make sure they come together on brand, on time, on design, on budget. And so I'd use a lot of really creative partners to pull together this cohesive, amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt really good. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> so on this show, I also like to highlight what I call hidden talents. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work-related. So I believe that your hidden talent or hidden interest or maybe not so hidden interest is that you really love travel. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I do love travel. And I remember there was a point I did my semester in Spain in college and then did like a month of backpacking afterwards. Mm-hmm. And for like the next decade, I told everyone, yeah, I love to travel. I love to travel. But I never <laughs> left the country or like really alternating between the West and East Coast. Uh-huh. And so I just got like a really good tax return one year and flew to Argentina. And then it became a thing where like every year, maybe every other year was a domestic trip. And then the alternating year, like a really big international trip. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just a financial priority. Like people prioritize their money differently, but travel is just proven to be the thing that gives me life. Like I need to know there's another trip. I don't want to have it planned. I just mm-hmm. have to know on the horizon. There's a really great trip for me to look forward to. Yeah. And I've been really lucky to be able to travel a lot of places. And I think just super interested in learning about cultural differences in every country and city and place I visit. Like down to the cuisine and food, the religion and lifestyle, the just like the way of living. Like in Vietnam and the lifestyle was so different and amazing and fabulous, you know. Mm-hmm. And I have been really lucky the last few years that I've been able to travel internationally for my job. So I I was able to host some events in Asia and South America and Europe. And then I would tack on, you know, I'd pay for myself for a few extra days just to do some exploring on my own. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I've been told this is a reward. I don't know if it is, but a Nippon file, I'm obsessed with to- Tokyo or Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After two visits there, I just love the people and the culture and everything's just so cute and well thought out and beautiful yes and yeah, everything's very well designed there yeah. <laughs> and I love all the vending machines yes <laughs> our office we'll just push a button and you have like soup or coffee yeah <laughs> it's pretty great dive into the listener question portion of the show. So I have kind of a long list of questions that I might make shorter. We'll see what happens. (laughs) So the first question I have here is, what's the biggest event budget you've ever had to work with? So in New York, we had a program that was like $2 million, 
but keeping in mind a, a DMC, like an incentive program, takes place over like three to five days and it was a two-wave program. It was thousands of people. But the IPO event was my biggest single night event at probably around like $500,000. Wow. And that was like 250 people. So it was a big investment for them, but a really cool party. Yeah, (laughs) it sounded like there were a lot of production costs involved. Yeah, I mean, lighting alone. And talent. Yeah. (laughs) Lighting alone was Uh really expensive. So you know it's going to be expensive when it's just lighting is taking up like a third of your budget. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So the next question I have is, what's the most ridiculous writer... Uh, I mean, a writer is a list of demands performers write into their performance contracts. So what's the most ridiculous writer you've ever had from a performer or talent? So on the corporate side, we see less of the big acts. Uh, so that's where you'll see like the divas come out. <laughs> we have more of the cover bands and like wedding band style bands, which I cannot demand anything <laughs> really every other than some meals and a clean place to change and a mirror. Um, <laughs> but we did have, I would say it was my colleague's event in New York City, but she had a major R&B star perform at one of our events. And she required that the toilet seat at the Jazz at Lincoln Center be swapped out to a brand new one. And all the towels were like a specific brand and pre-washed and new were brought in. So the toilet seat kind of made a, a like a dent in my brain forever is that she needed, they like had to have change out the toilet seat uh-huh. from the toilet in the green room. That's amazing. I've definitely heard of things like, you know, people want hummus or they want gluten-free or like food. only white M&Ms or only... Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever encountered event crashers? And if so, what's the craziest or who is the craziest crasher you've dealt with? So just recently we had an event in New York and it was a corporate conference mainly for our clients and top prospects but we do publicly advertise the event and then we try and filter out people who don't look like they're a good fit and although I emailed this woman to say it doesn't look like you're a good fit for attending this event she showed up anyway and I wasn't at the desk when she came and it wasn't until I was coming by her later and uh she looked like she was shoving all the breakfast food into her jacket (laughs) Um, that I realized, and she had a badge on though. So I went and I checked in with the front desk and I figured out what had happened, but, uh, she proceeded and she was in a wheelchair and then she sat at the back of the room and she proceeded to just take a nap (laughs) and then come to all of our meals. But when we tried figuring out the best way to handle it and she was like having guests help push her around to go to the bathroom or to go get food and telling everyone that she had cancer, true or not, she, it was just too much for me to be like, I can't be the one that tells her she has to leave. Um, you know, if she was making a scene, maybe we would have done something about it. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of Neil's lost, uh, she sat in the back of the room and was quiet. So right. a little odd uh, mm. choice to like crush corporate boring events. But um, <laughs> yeah, she needed wow. some TLC, some friends. Yeah. Well, I guess it leads us to our next question, which is, event planners are listed as one of the most stressful jobs. Do you think that's true? And how do you relieve stress? I love that you laugh. <laughs> it's one of the most stressful jobs because I keep on my phone this picture that came out of like USA Today, which ranks event planners like number three underneath like firemen and police officers or something oh in most stressful jobs and there's like one underneath that it's like number three or number five on a list uh-huh. of like five stressful jobs <laughs> and I just think it's so funny because it has this really like glam mm-hmm. feel to it like 
running events. Yeah. But it is really stressful, all the little details, and people people freak out. Like, it's like, it's not brain surgery. It's a party. It's mm-hmm. a party. Or, you know, a conference. But people get really worked up. So it is stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the DMC side was definitely more stressful just because of when you're in-house, you're a, I have a seat at the table. Everyone, like, respects and appreciates me. No one's going to treat me poorly. Um, but when you're outside, you're sort of the bottom of the totem pole and you're Mm -hmm. there, you're who they blame for when things don't go well, even if it's not your fault. So it was really stressful there. But I would say, uh, I wasn't really good at managing my stress until the last few years. And maybe I also just shifted careers at the right time because being on the DMC side was really stressful. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't, because your hours are sort of crazy. You work a lot of evenings and weekends on the DMC side. Plus you have to be because that's when the events are, but then you have to be available Monday through Friday, nine to five. That's when your clients are sitting at their desk and you have to plan the events. So there isn't a lot of time to burn off the stress or to find good ways. I had colleagues who were really good about it that just made sure they went to yoga every morning or they did something. I wasn't so good, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in the last few years, jogging, yoga, hiking, just being outdoors Mm -hmm. Uh, in San Francisco, pretty much year round, you can go for a walk outdoors. So it's really the best thing. And my dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Odie, how do companies measure the success or return on their investments with events? Right. So this has really only in the last year become a big topic of conversation for me because on the DMC side, while we plan it, the internal planner somewhere else with whatever company is hosting the event is responsible for justifying the spend. We might provide them some statistics, how many people showed up or like a survey, but really... That's not our, our role. And at Bloomberg, like I mentioned before, money seemed to never be an issue. But uh, our company was purchased by a investment banking firm. I guess it's a couple of years ago now, but really it's mm-hmm. just shifted in the last six months to where we're really folded in. And they're very interested in the bottom line and how we're spending. But with, it's been a really fun learning opportunity for me because I've never had to process ROI really before. I mean, I would qualitatively like, you know, give feedback from the attendee, our internal attendees and ask, did we, you know, what competitors were there or, you know, how successful do you think went to how many people did we talk to, but no real metrics. So this year we've, we're obviously pushed for showing like true ROI dollars. Like did we bring in new pipeline for our salespeople and did any of that convert into actual business? But we do give well, we're trying to give some attention to the fact that there are other forms uh, and reasons for doing events. So mm-hmm. sales enablement would be like how many meetings we were able to arrange. If so, if that event was really focused on getting um, butts and seats, sitting with our salespeople, that's what we'd focus on for the category of uh, ROI. Demand gen is like our new business, whether that's upsell, cross-sell, or completely new business. That's dollars. How much do we bring in and hand the sales team as an opportunity to work with? Renewals is huge for Mark Monitor. We have a really high retention rate. So seeing how many clients renewed, obviously our event didn't make them renew. But we were a touch point along that process. So they continued to see us as a thought leader in the industry. They continued to be shared our collateral or webinars that they're learning from. 
And the last would be brand awareness, which is so vague and so hard to categorize or Mm -hmm. measure because sometimes you might have been a major sponsor. Like we were the lanyard sponsor for a massive event. That's pretty much the biggest way you can advertise, like as far as branding, because every single attendee is wearing your your logo. Mm -hmm. So I would count all of them. They all were exposed to our brand. But in smaller situations, I might say if we had a speaker, an internal speaker presenting, there were 100 people in the room. That was the count for that brand awareness. They, mm-hmm. they heard us as thought leaders at that event. So that's another way. But there's no like tried and true real way because it's so hard to tell, especially if you have a slower life cycle in your sales process. Mm-hmm. A lot of our clients will first hear about us and be nurtured for a really long time, like maybe years before they book. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to sometimes justify an event strictly on ROI, but mm-hmm. we're trying. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Thank you for that comprehensive yeah. answer. <laughs> so the last listener question that I'd like to ask all of the guests that we've been asking for a while in all of the episodes is if you weren't working in events and marketing, what other types of work would you be interested in? I've thought about this and there's two different things. So like when I was younger, I used to think if I started straight out of school, I would have maybe been really interested in the music industry's A&R scene, like the finding and scouting of musicians and talent. Mm -hmm. I'm not super gifted in the music world. That wouldn't have been probably a really great career path for me, but it always sounded so interesting and cool to Mm -hmm. just be out in live music venues and trying to find new talent. But knowing myself... Years later, um, I have a pretty big passion for learning more about like holistic health care, mm-hmm. like um, more homeopathic, I should say, but even down to cleaner beauty products and household cleaning items. And so maybe something in that world, but I don't really know mm-hmm. how to apply yeah. knowledge there unless you became, I guess you could become certified and become mm-hmm. a homeopathic provider. I don't know. <laughs> Practitioner? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Becky, what are you looking forward to this week? It doesn't have to be work-related. So anyone who knows me knows I'm a very busy gal and I travel a lot and I spend a lot of time investing in my friendships and making sure I stay connected with everyone. So it is a rare and very cool special occurrence where I have no plans this weekend. Whoa. So I am actually really looking forward to it. I'm (laughs) sure I will get out with my dog. I'll probably meet up with some friends. I'll do something. But to see my calendar after tonight for the rest of the week. Other than work, I have no plans Mm -hmm. through the weekend. So it's actually a really nice treat. That's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So do you have anything that you would like to plug? I know we've talked about a couple things earlier, like some apps that you've used, but any resources? Yeah, a couple different things. I got my DMCP, which is through ADME, A-D-M-E. I'd be pressed to remember because it's like Association of Destination Management Executives or something like that. Okay. It's embarrassing that I can't remember because I got my DSCP from them, which is just really like a certification, like any project manager or a CMP would have. But ADME would be a great resource for everything to know about DMCs. And I think it's actually a really great career path for those who are like younger and interested in learning about events because you learn all everything except for maybe conference trade show stuff but even then you're getting some of it through the dmc experience because you touch every major kind of vendor sourcing and venue research so anything related to looking into dmcs through adme would be helpful perfect and then i'd also just like to give a little plug to uh fiercely female oh yeah (laughs) so my friend melissa started a group called fiercely female which is how actually tatiana met 
Christy from Tessier. Yes, yes. Yeah, Um, who was one of her previous guests on the show. Um, But based on the name, when my friend first asked me to join, I was like, oh, God, this is going to suck. (laughs) I was like, oh, a woman's group, it's going to be, you know, it was amazing. I just, Uh she hosts, you know, maybe quarterly a different uh, meetup, different places, but oftentimes in her workspace. And it's just really great little group of women who are sharing a lot of times career advice, but, uh, you know, there's one gal who is a recruiter and she was giving it feedback about like what women should be doing when they're in their negotiation phase of looking for a job and how men always ask for certain things and women never do. And then having really interesting people who came to speak, she was like a little speaker each time. So there was a female winemaker from beginning to end from Tessier. There was a woman who wrote and published her own book, or actually she was, she was published. She had a publisher book and how, like the process of having to advocate for herself. And anyway, each week there's some, or each meeting there's something different. So she has a great Facebook and Instagram following and it's fun because mm-hmm. almost every day she publishes some little inspirational quote or reminder to really go at it as mm-hmm. a, and be kind to yourself. So yeah. I, I would plug Fiercely female. Awesome. So we will add all of those links to the website. So Becky, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me and for the delicious salad. You're welcome. Yeah, I was very impressed with my own salad. So the (laughs) recipe will be on the website. To learn more about Becky's work and other topics we've covered on this episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe was mango black bean and kale salad. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay tuned for our episodes every other Tuesday. Take care, everyone.